Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Hockey podcast show. Thank you for listening today. Appreciate it. PulpHockey.com website or get it on Stitcher or on iTunes or any kind of podcatcher out there. You can uh, listen to the show, download it, and uh, give us a ranking, and uh, we appreciate it. Each and every week, uh, myself, Steve Mathis, will uh, cover the NHL uh, up and down. Um, never mind my opinion, though. The man on the phone is the one we all want to hear from. He is a TSN lead color analyst. Former NHL player Ray Ferraro, what's up, Ray? How are you? I'm in Ottawa today as we tape this. I was in uh, Washington yesterday for uh, Leafs Caps, and uh, like many people, um, uh, certainly around Canada, because this seemed a little a little more Canadian than anything else. Uh, we're all really saddened today by uh, the passing of Gord Downey, the the front man for the tragically hip, and. Um, for a lot of us guys who played hockey around that era in the you know early 80s um, that was the soundtrack of almost every dressing room and uh we all got to know him and uh through his music those of us that never met him uh there was just uh an easy connection to the way that he conducted himself both on and off the stage and um really really sad even though it, everybody kind of knew it was coming at some point it just it didn't make it any easier to read it today no absolutely real bummer day for myself my wife and i uh she's american but i turned her onto the hip and uh we've probably seen them 20 times and uh amazing frontman amazing lyrics and i guess in a sense so right like he'll always be there still his music so he he will it it's really um, really remarkable to think that a band and, you know, in particular Gord could have connected to so many different people of so many different ages that it felt like this was, you know, something connected to, yeah. to Canada. And it, it's, it, it's really, it's different than a lot of the tough news that, that we've heard recently. This one just, I don't know, seems a little bit more, I don't know, family-ish right. seems wrong, but, but kind of along that road. Well, you, you, you captured it right. Uh, we didn't know him, but yet we all knew him. 
right? Like it just seemed like he was uh, Gordy, uh, your buddy down the street up in Canada. <laughs> yeah, he, j- he just happened to be able to right. to put on a show and to sing and to write and yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, it's a real sad day for sure. You got a couple of favorite songs. Uh, for me, 50 Mission Cap, we heard, you know, we listen to all the time in the dressing room. I love Wheat Kings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is, that, I just think that song is, is amazing. They, they would be my two favorite. Yeah. 50 Mission Cap, because it kind of talks about the Leafs, I would guess, right? Right? Correct. Yeah. And so yeah. that was the, that was the connection to all of us hockey guys, right? That we were, yeah. you know, if we didn't know anything about the hip, once you heard that song and you knew the story, you yeah. were, you were hooked in. Yeah. Yeah, sad day. All right, well, uh, thanks for the memory, Scored, for sure. And uh, and like I said, we'll all be listening still uh, throughout. I'm really glad I paid a crazy amount of money, Ray, to go to the, the last tour up in Vancouver. Uh, I went to that show. Uh, it was a stretch to make it for my wife and I. We were down in uh, Portland, and uh, um, it, I'm really glad we went. It was crazy money for the tickets. We were, we were second row, but, uh, man, so happy. Yeah, I, I, w- I, went with, uh, I went with my son, Landon, and... Um, um, I, I was, I was really gra- glad we went, mm-hmm. um, and it's pretty cool, you know. Like Landon is twenty six years old, and you know how much he felt of the music and wanted to be there. Yes, and of yeah. course, you know I'm much older. I'm fifty three, and and um, you know and and you know connected and felt and discussed with him, and so it was. Uh, I would like you was great. Really happy that we went. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk some hockey. Um, again, thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it. The downloads are up. You people are loving the show uh, more probably due to me than Ray. But uh, you know, Ray doesn't. That's all right, highly job. unlikely. Um, so just you know, Leaf boy. <laughs> Caps Leafs last night for you. Um, um, it, it should have been. It, it should have been a six-five game. Uh, that early, that first period was phenomenal. And so Ray. Do the, do the guys come in at, in the first intermission and just get chewed out and and everybody backs it down because it only ended up you know two nothing but um, what happens? <laughs> to the... No, I I don't I don't think in that case. I mean okay. I I'm pretty sure what what the guys would be discussing before the coaches get in there is that hey wait a minute guys there is a million chances out there <laughs> right like the first three minutes of the game. We had the scoring chances 6-1 Toronto. They had two breakaways in the first six minutes, and they mm-hmm. didn't hit the net on either of them. Mm-hmm. And so that, that quickly became a theme. After two periods, the Leafs had missed the net 16 times, and I would say six or seven of them were legit scoring chances. So it became one of those nights that you thought there was going to be a lot of goals. There wasn't. I wouldn't say either goalie made 10 unbelievable saves either. Yeah, yeah. It was really an odd game, but there. What I took out of that is the Leafs can certainly skate and attack, and you know, and and that was very evident. And the other was that Washington's defense is not only there are they in transition, but they might be in trouble. Um, <laughs> right. You know, like they're they didn't have any cap room to replace Carl Olsner and Kevin Shattenkirk, who left with. Uh, through free agency, Nate Schmidt, who was picked up by Vegas. Now Matt Niskanen's hurt. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, their defense, which was such a strong point, just basically disintegrated over the summer. And they're, they've got four or five younger guys that they feel pretty highly about. The problem is, while they're getting up to speed, 
they're not the Capitals, are not the same team, mm-hmm. not even close. And, and I, I saw that last night. I had to go to the uh, Knights game, so I, I, mean, I watched the first two periods, though. What was your impression of Ovechkin? Uh, he didn't do a lot at the game, but he's got nine goals. He, you know, he's, he's playing well. Did, did he look faster to you? Did he look, you know No, I mean? he looked like Ovi. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, like he, um, it, it, it's funny, you know, like there, there are times there you wonder where he is and where is the, you know, where is the chance going to come from? And, gee, he doesn't seem to do much. And then, bam, bam, he gets a couple of, you know, legit scoring chances, like out of, out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so um, I saw a few of those last night. I bet you he had, he must have had three or four really good scoring chances. But, you know, he, he certainly doesn't create like he, like he used to. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. use his body as much. He had one play where he stapled Gardner behind the net uh, on a four-check, and that led to a scoring chance. But that, I mean, that's not happening very often. Right. And so uh, he was just okay last night. But in just okay, he could have scored twice. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that, right. and that's, kind yeah. of the, that's kind of the way it goes for, for him. Now, you know, if you're the Caps, you know, you, you know, we just talked about their defense, and I think they've, you know, they've got serious holes in it. Mm-hmm. But how do you fix it? You've got Ovechkin on the cap for, I don't know, for four or five years to go. Yep. Uh, they just signed Kuznetsov. They've got Backstrom. Yep. John Carlson's going to be a free agent pretty soon. They just signed TJ Oshie for eight years. Yeah. Like, they don't have much in the way of wiggle room. And it, it has to be concerning for them. It, it has to be. I mean, I, I don't know how else... Yeah. I don't know how else they can look at it. Like, how are you going to unscrew the light bulb here? Because they have no cap room. Mm-hmm. I watched part of a Capitals game this year, earlier this year, and then I watched, like I said, two periods of the Leafs game. And I don't know if this was the Leafs' speed or not, but Brooks Orpik looks like he struggles a little bit. And, you know, um, he got a kind of a, a big deal from them a couple years back in free agency, but they, they need him to be better, right? Uh, they do. Um, unfortunately for them, that because of the departures, they need him to be better to play in the top four. And, right. and I just, I don't know that he's able to do that anymore. Like players with speed are a real challenge for him. And of course, we you know we often talk about that mm. the, um, the league's getting faster, and so that means just about everybody's got speed. Right, so it becomes a real a real issue for them. The um, the the caps really you, you can't you can't hide them on a third pair because they don't have anybody to play on their second pair. <laughs> yeah, they, they, right, the depth you know they're there. they're stuck. They really are, and yeah. that's why I think they went so hard last year mm-hmm. at you know and and tried to load up as best as they could. They you know they traded for Shattenkirk. I don't I don't think that really worked out very well. But you know they were trying to yep. win yep. and. And now you've got to try and figure out a way to, I won't say rebuild, but you know, mm-hmm. give yourself a little bit of soft landing while some of these young guys um, get going a little bit. Because it's going to take them some time. As far as the Leafs, Freddie Anderson, who hasn't been off to a great start, uh, shut him out, which was good to see. Mitch Marner dropped to the uh, fourth line. Connor Brown, who was on the fourth line, steps in and scores. Um, do we need to panic about Mitch Marner, Ray? Or? No, you know what? This goes on all around the league. Because yeah. everybody focuses on the Leafs <laughs> right. so much, it's, it's a big deal. You know, Babcock yeah. said, you know, don't make a big deal out of this. 
well, what do you mean don't make a big deal out of it? It's, you know, he's telling that to the Toronto media. It's the team they cover. There's more media people than anywhere else in the league. It is a big deal. Yeah. Um, Marner, you go back to last year, and he finished the year, and now they're into this year. I think he's three goals, in the, including playoffs, in his last 26 games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is it, – it's – it's a thing. You know, it's not just popped up and always had a slow start and they're not very good defensively. Um, he's got to figure out a way to, you know, to shake loose again. And so by playing him on that fourth line, um, you know, maybe you get a little bit deeper into the matchups. You get out against the third defense pair. I, I thought they played fine last yeah. night, Martin and Moore and Marner, but, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not where he's going to be. Right. And and so this is a a temporary... I won't even call it a wake-up call, but uh, you know, just to, yeah. it's a nice luxury just to kind of rejig things for a little bit. And then Brown, of course, is too good to be on a fourth line, yep. and he yep. scored last night. The Leafs have enviable depth up front. Yeah, no, it's a nice luxury to have, right? Absolutely. Um, did you ever find yourself coming into a game and you're on the fourth? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, for one stretch of games in in Hartford. Uh, my line mates were Shane Churla and Dave Semenko. And that, that, was not, <laughs> that was not the first line. And um, I spent a lot of time picking up gloves after those guys <laughs> fought. And um, while I felt safe, uh, we weren't going to score very much. Now, I, So I played on that line, and um, uh, but I played on the power play too, kind of like what Marner, Marner Yeah, Marner got some power play time. So yep, your, yep. your five-on-five play is what? the coaches are concerned about and they you know i don't have a direct recollection but i yep. assume that was it and the fact that um i probably wasn't scoring at the time yeah. didn't help my cause right you know so they they lower you down in the lineup and you you get pissed off and you mm-hmm. you work hard and you and the whole time you're on that line all you're thinking about is how can i get off it Right. And and the way you get off it is just by playing better. Although you did tell us a hilarious story about Samanko that one time about being on the ice with him. So, oh yeah, uh, like he was right. He was awesome guy, <laughs> great guy to be around. But you know, I mean, this was the end of his career. He was only going to play six or seven minutes a night. Right. And back then, those six or seven minutes were against the other team's tough guys. And we were playing Minnesota one night, and Willie Plett finally got a shift halfway through the second period, and and Dave. Uh, you know, our line got put out on the ice, right, and right. so as we're going over the boards, Dave said, uh, "Like this is our first even strength shift in the second period." And Dave says, "Looks like it's time for some witty goon talk." <laughs> and uh, right. in other words, everybody thinks we're going to fight, but that's not going to happen mm-hmm. because we're both older and nobody's yeah. going to fight right now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess back in your day, no one pulled you aside to probably t- tell you what you were doing wrong or what was going on. But with Marner, I would think the assistant coach would pull him aside and be like, "Hey, this is what we." This is what we see. Well, is what we the, need the to difference, do. Steve, would be the assistant coach would have video to show him. I mean, the, yep. Mar- Marner's—he's no dummy. I yep. mean, he—he he knows they've been on the ice for a whole bunch of goals against. He knows that he hasn't scored very often over this last stretch of games. I mean, the guys are yep. are aware of it. You're aware of yeah. what you are or aren't doing. You don't need a coach to tell you. But what would happen is, uh, I mean, almost certainly is uh, they would have far more far more video than. Mm-hmm. You know, for them to look at and 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 try and coach them, you know, kind of coach right. them out of that a little bit. 
I, I thought Marner has been shooting way more this year than I remember him doing it. And I don't know if that's good or bad or what's been going on, but in the games I've well, watched... he's trying to vary his yeah. approach. I guess that's okay. Sure, I mean, yeah. it's not like he... It's not like uh, he, anybody notices that, gee, he's not trying to make plays anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's still still moving the puck. Yeah. And so, um, is that a, a big deal? I don't, I don't think so. It's just yeah. what ends up happening when you're a scorer, and I, I can tell you this from example is or from history is that you you don't score so you try harder to score which means you cheat a little bit in the defensive zone even Mm -hmm. though you don't think you are yep you are and the more you cheat the more time the more you cheat to score the less time you spend in the offensive zone and the more time you spend back in your zone and sure yeah kind of where the bozak line is right now right and that's where marner is and eventually it you know the the video and the and you know your self realization is that wow I'm not doing a great yeah. job back here I uh, yeah. I got to fix that yeah. and then once you fix that when you're as talented as Marner the other stuff comes comes along after it yeah the Leafs have let in a lot of goals uh, not last night notwithstanding and Austin Matthews has been on the ice for one was it two yeah. Yeah, the Marner line, <laughs> so, Zach Van Riemsdyk's been on for the most five-on-five ones for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, my Vegas Golden Knights, uh, right? Not really. Oh, now but, they're your Vegas yeah, Golden yeah, Knights. Yeah. Hey, are they good? Are they, look, look, I went to, I I went to, I went to three games. Okay, the first game, Arizona, was they were uh, Arizona was outmatched. It was very emotional. Team came out playing great, um, and I get it. And they were all over Arizona. And Arizona, I don't know who was going to win that night. Maybe no team would come in and win. So, okay. All right, I get it. I went to the Bruins game. Very excited to watch McAvoy. Very excited to watch Chara. Bergeron's out, but uh, uh, they got some Krejci and some great guys. They were terrible. I don't know if they were at the strip club till 3 a.m. No, I think that, by by the way, that's overrated, man. Okay, all right. Boston was not good. Guys are, they're under... They're under no illusion that they're going there for holiday. Now, there's going to be teams that will get in there for two and three days, yep. and they'll have a day they can rip it up. But a yep. team gets in there the night before a game, they're not, they're not doing anything. Boston was not good. Uh, Buffalo last night, they decided to play a little bit in the third. Ryan O'Reilly was great. Uh, um, he, was, he was a real force. And they tied it up with uh, eight seconds to go, and they lost in overtime. David Perron got one. But they, for the most part, Buffalo also didn't play well. And or maybe Ray, the Knights are good. I don't know. Well, I, I was thinking a little bit about this and and okay. wondering it, or comparing a little bit to when Minnesota was an expansion team. Mm-hmm. And so you know we always we all thought, oh, it's an expansion team and it's a wild. And then pretty soon after a couple of months, you go, wow, these guys are pretty good. Yeah. You know, like it. I, I so I don't know the answer right now. I mean, it's an incredible, almost historic start mm-hmm. for them. Um, I don't think anybody really saw this coming, and but are they good? I yeah. I don't know. I I would have a tough time saying yes. This is a really good team. Yeah. Um, so far, Bruins and Sabers haven't put up much fight uh, outside of you know the Sabers coming on late. But uh, uh, I'm very well, impressed with Nate, Nate Schmidt. Speaking of him, he's he's really well, good. He was. Um, he was a really good get for them. Um, you know, Washington was trying to maneuver around their guys to protect, and mm-hmm. you know, and they got to a point where, you know, they had to expose Schmidt, and um, you know, underrated loss for them. Good skater um, was waiting kind of behind a 
a really stacked defense in Washington for his real opportunity, which would have come now. Yeah, absolutely. However, it's coming in Vegas, and and you know you can get um, you can be disappointed um, uh, about oh gee I got picked up on waivers, but then you get to a new place mm-hmm. and in a very short order you go yeah that's just my team yeah and so he must be pumped yeah and Cody Eakin very good also so um, Eakin yeah. had a brutal year in in Dallas yep um, but he is a he's a good player. I was I was surprised to to see him struggle as badly as he did in Dallas. He probably took the brunt of no Tyler Sagan in the lineup. Matthias Janmark was hurt, so they lost a bunch of forwards, and then they needed him to do more than maybe he was capable of. Mm-hmm. And the year got away from him. Yeah, really, really creates something almost every shift. Does something where you're like, oh yeah, look at that. Does a you know yeah. gets by a D man. Uh, good skater, yep. energetic. Yep. Yeah. Um, really good. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, they're 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 pretty good. So we'll see. Malcolm Subban, you know, is two and zero. Honestly, good job for him. I can't remember any spectacular saves in either of those games. I'm telling you, it was. I'm just like, okay, Bruins and Sabers, not not playing that yeah, well. <laughs> you know, the, the Sabers are. I mean, the Bruins have had some ups and downs. They're yeah. also missing David Berge, or David Backus and Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. Which you know is a big chunk out of their forwards. Yep. Buffalo, I thought would be better out of the start. They've really, really struggled. Yep. Um, have you seen these drummers they have at the game? At the Vegas game? No, not really. I, I don't really get them. They're they got they look like the guy from the Running Man. You know the guy with the light bright that right. was chasing. What's, what's the idea of the whole thing? Um, they're a drum line. And they have light-up glasses and light-up gloves. Uh, looks like light bright. And they do a drumming thing in between in between whistles. And they do a little drum. And, and then there's a mascot. I don't really know. It doesn't. I don't know what's going on. It's really odd. It, it, it's funny. Like, every once in a while, something happens. You just stare at it. And you go, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I, it doesn't, Somebody came up with that. There was an yeah, idea. There yeah. was a creation. There was a conception. And you're saying you don't get it. And they're way up in the rafters outside this castle or this fortress. And they're. Well, knights. Yeah, knights. Yeah, yep, yep, right? I yep, get that. Yep. But they're not like the drums aren't like amplified like a, you know, like a heavy bass where you would put it through a mixer and a stereo. So it's kind of like an echo in the arena. It doesn't really, you know, you're just like, oh, look at that drum sound up there. And they're like, the, the night line. And they're pumped. I don't get it, but hey. They'll do things that, that I guess won't work and don't work or whatever, right? So, they, well, I mean the the drum line. They might have them just take one step to the left and then they're in the castle and nobody sees them again. Right. They, I, I mean, I, I don't know, but they there are lots of things you kind of throw on the wall, I think, and you hope yeah. it works. Yep. They, and they have a rock they put up the center ice in, in the beginning of the opening ceremonies. They didn't do this for game one because of the. The shooting here in Vegas, they kept it pretty somber. But game two and three now, they put out a rock in the center ice, and there's a sword out of this rock, and and then they put a map of the NHL on the on the ice, uh, you know, through the, through the video board, and and they say the invaders are coming to Vegas, and all the cities that have NHL teams are pointed towards Vegas, and then a guy comes out, Ray skates out, he's dressed in black, and he's waving a black flag of where of the team that they're playing. And he goes to center ice, 
and he can't pull the sword out. You know where this is going, right? Right? He can't pull of the sword course. out. So a knight comes on the ice, and he's got the Vegas flag, and he skates out. He pulls the sword out, of course, and then he kills the bad guy, the black guy, uh, the guy dressed in black. I shouldn't say the black guy. The guy dressed in black. <laughs> That's another topic that would be really sensitive. Yeah, not um, good. Kills the guy, swords, you know, cuts the guy dressed in black with the flag, and everybody cheers. I'm like, all right, I guess we're all going. All right, yay. <laughs> you know what that whole thing sounded like? What? what? I don't know if you remember in the Bugs Bunny cartoons, there was something about that. What? And it was no, the singing sword, that. and Bugs got the singing sword. and Oh, yeah, I do remember that, right. It kind of, I was like, wow, this is going to be yeah. very Bugs Bunnishy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. They got the light bright guys. They got this sword. I, I just go, and I'm from I'm Canada. Sure, I'm sure George McPhee <laughs> is not at all paying attention. He's like, let's just get to the game. Let's and get this game going. See what the team looks like. Um, absolutely. Uh, my wife wanted to ask you today. She is all in on the Knights. It's very depressing. Good um, for her. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine, I guess. She's cheering, making signs, and yelling, Sue Ban. Anyways. What name does she get on the back of her jersey? Like I told her, don't get Neil. I think he's, you know, he's going to get traded. Uh, I said get Flurry, but she's not down with Flurry. Where do you stand on jersey guy or girl and what they should put on? For an expansion team, um, I would say put the name on a name bar. <laughs> Rip it off. Because they're, right. they're likely to change quite often. What do you? What about Vegas Strong? That's what her latest thing was. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know. How about nothing? Right? Yeah. Just... How about nothing? And let it play out. Of, you know, maybe by Christmas, you'll yeah. have a real favorite. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I know this from, uh, you know, buying our kids white cap jerseys, the uh, MLS team in Vancouver. Uh, I don't know how many they have over the years, but only one player is still with the team that they've got on their back. Yeah. Hmm. You know, guys guys move in and guys yep. move out, but yep. they have one player left. Right. You know, that's on their back. So I I I don't know. I like the I like the just I think patience is the key here. <laughs> right, right, right. I'll I'll pass that on. She was saying, uh, you can't get your name on the back and she says, Ask Ray and I said I will and th- and I go, well, there, you go, there I, you go. I was on an expansion team. If, if people would have been putting expansion <laughs> names of the Thrashers on, right. the name bar part would have been about four inches thick by right. the time they were finished. Well, she said, can I put our, my own name on the back? And I said, no, yeah. no, no, don't do that. Why not? No, you don't play for the Knights. You're not on the team. You're, you're, but then I said Ray could put his name on the back because he actually was on the team You know, of any jersey, of, of many different jerseys. Yeah, but so. I no. I, no. <laughs> Anyways, patience. I think. Um, okay, I'll tell her. I'll pass that on. Um, Montreal, uh, Montreal Canadiens, New York Rangers, Edmonton Oilers. I would say Arizona, but you know they're kind of rebuilding. Who should panic, Ray? It, it hasn't been good. Well, I mean Montreal and and the Rangers should be more concerned because their their goals were more lofty than. Um, you know, than Arizona, for example. Um, Edmonton should be concerned because they've just had one year in the playoffs and now they've started out like this. Um, they've got McDavid, which eases a little bit of mm-hmm. concern. Uh, Dreisaitl, I don't think, is going to be out too long. And, 
you know, they obviously need him back in the lineup. The, the points of concern to me for the Oilers, we'll start there, are I don't know about their depth of forwards behind their top guys, and I worry about Cam Talbot, who was magnificent last year but played 73 games. But I don't, I don't think this year they should panic. What they should be worried about is next year McDavid and McDavid and Dreisaitl are both on the cap, yep. and they're going to run into some cap issues. And there's a couple of contracts on there that might not be very friendly. Then you get to the Rangers in, in Montreal. Neither team is very good at center ice. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Neither team is very good on the blue line. That's a problem. The strength of those teams over the last little while has been in goal, the difference being Henrik Lundqvist in his mid-30s and Price is 30. So I, I think both of them are teetering on a spot that might not be very comfortable for them. Um, yeah, Price is off to a little bit of a slow start, right? I mean, but, but you don't worry about Yeah, I mean, the save percentage right. is about 88%. Yeah. And so, you know, we can talk about that forwards only have seven goals in six games, and that is a concern. We can talk about their defenses, you know, is, has not been very good, nor does it look like it's a great defense. But they've often built that team as Carey Price solves a lot of their problems. So if he's struggling, it is a big deal. And uh, and Rangers, what do you think? Is, is Henrik, I mean, you talked about, you know, he's older. Um, I think they're in trouble. Yeah. I yeah. do. I mean, I picked them right at the bottom of my eight teams to get into the playoffs. But they look like they're not set up to have a very good year at all. They would probably want the anti-Ranta trade back for Derek Stepan, talking about their lack of depth at center, right? Well, except they had cap issues, too. Right? I mean, yep. They, yep. you know, I, I don't know what they thought they were going to do at center, but as soon as Stepan left, they had an obvious hole there. And, you know, again, the cap problem becomes that how do you fix it? Yep. Yeah, we'd like to go get a player. Oh, we don't have any money. Yeah. That becomes a problem. Yeah, I really, um, there's a lot of things about walking uphill uh, to school both ways, you know, that you sound like that when you compl- moan and bitch. Not you, I mean just people, uh, yeah. when you complain about, about the NHL. But I, I do I do wish there was some movement, some ge- general managers stuck now. You're stuck. You're not, you can't make a, a, a four-player trade. You can't move some guys in and out. No, there, I mean, there's, the, the biggest issue becomes in, in understanding the cap is that it's tied 50% to player revenues. So whatever the hockey-related revenue is, the players get 50% of that and the owners get 50% of that. Mm-hmm. So you can't really change the cap system unless you negotiate off that number, which I don't think is very likely. The, the only way any movement could be spurred is if each team had, you know, maybe you could franchise one player. Yeah. And so that, say a cap is, let's say the cap's $75 million. Um, and you could franchise one guy. You could even put a cap on the franchise fee. You could, yeah, whatever. You could go sure. over the cap by $6 million, say. Mm-hmm. And some teams would, some teams wouldn't. Just like some teams spend to the cap and some teams don't. But that might, maybe, could shake loose a couple of deals. Because right now it's, it's virtually impossible for, mm-hmm. for anybody to, to make a trade. So listen to what you're saying. The Rangers should be the most worried. Ranger fans. Uh, I I uh, think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I but I 
I mean, I, I look at them and they've got a, you know, they've got a couple of young guys in Elias Anderson and Philip Treidel, two really young players, um, forward centermen, and so they have those in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Montreal has not drafted very well, and so you could be even more concerned if you look at it a little deeper. That how are they going to change things? They've got eight million dollars in cap room. But who are you going to trade to take advantage of that cap room? Because yeah. by the time you get to July 1st, most of the players you would really want, teams are locking those guys up earlier yeah. and for longer than they ever have. Their one chip is Sergachev. Oh, wait. No, they don't. No, it's yeah. not. Now they got Jonathan Drouin. <laughs> right. You know who got his second goal of the year? Yeah. Last night. Yeah. He was, he was a, pipe, a kid in the pipeline that uh, Hockey News had ranked high. You would talk highly of him. Everybody was like, okay, you know, they drafted this kid. This kid's coming. And they they traded him, so. but they didn't. I mean, they didn't go way off the path. Here. No, I mean Jonathan yeah. Drouin's a young guy too, but they don't have four or five of those prospects sitting there. No, absolutely. So, all right, Ferraro says Ranger fans panic, panic. <laughs> it's it's yeah, early. Don't run but... up and down the street, but start to be concerned. <laughs> start being worried. Um, all right, everybody. Uh, Watercraft Insurance. We thank the folks at AllPointsInsurance.ca. Go there uh, and uh, please check it out. Uh, all Points Marine features include all risk claims paid without depreciation, uh, winterization, freezing, and vermin coverage. Uh, so that applies now, being as it's October eighteenth. Uh, emergency towing, lots of use, uninsured, underinsured, motorist cover, um, all of that stuff. At uh, all about your watercraft uh, that you're storing now up there in Canada. AllPointsInsurance.ca. We thank those folks for. Helping us out. Um, all right, Ray. If you've you've always been real high on Tampa Bay Lightning for this year, and uh, Nikita Kucherov, you've also uh, talked about him. Now he has scored in seven straight games, twelve goals, lead the league, four point seven cap hit too, which is nice. No, he doesn't have twelve goals. You you jumped ahead on your. Stats oh, I'm sorry. There. Points, twelve points, leading the league. Yeah, and seven straight games, eight goals total. Um, couple things. That's awesome. And Lemieux has the record at twelve, which is insane. Well, just think of that. So he's got goals in seven straight. He's barely halfway. Yes. You know, it just, uh, I mean, that number is ridiculous that Lemieux had, but that's in a day of way more goals mm-hmm. as well to, you know, to maybe pick a little bit at it. It's still crazy, yeah. remarkable. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Kucherov, seven straight out of the gate is, in this day, is remarkable. Um, you know, he and Stamkos are very dangerous together. He can really shoot the puck. Yeah. He's a terrific skater. He plays really hard. Um, like, he'll, he'll score from distance. He'll score from close. Um, there's, there's really not much not to like about Kucherov's game. Yeah, it may be still underrated a little bit, right? When you, thought, when you, when you look at list of best players and, and, and guys that could win a heart and guys that could win an yeah, all Yeah, I would say underrated, though, Steve, because he's in Tampa, right? Yeah. I mean, if he were in one of the bigger markets, um, you know, he would be on the forefront of just about everything. I don't, I don't think in the game, uh, you know, if you talk to team to team or coach to coach, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think anybody would get too far down the list of terrific players right. before, they, before they get to Kucherov. And he's got a cap hit for a couple of years. That's pretty good. Then they're going to have to pay up. He's restricted. Oh, so, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're going to already have to start clearing some room because – um, you know, they, they used, and I don't understand why teams don't do this, but mm-hmm. they were in a little bit of a bind, and so they, they signed him to a three-year deal, kind of a longer bridge deal, but a bridge deal nonetheless. And um, 
he is just clobbering it out of the park right now. Yeah. And good for him, right? That's the idea of a bridge. Nobody's that, absolutely, yeah, yeah nobody, absolutely, hundred percent. Because next time around, he'll have the CBA in his corner. Mm-hmm. The last time the team did, and the team used it. Lots of teams don't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, and that it goes to the lack of movement, kind of what we talked about. Um, all right, next up, I want to talk to you about something, Ray. You tweeted uh, this week, or maybe we just texted about it. Um, Ken Dryden's got a new book coming out, uh, Game Change, Steve Montador, about his uh, life and untimely passing, of course, former NHLer. And uh, and it's also, too, a little bit about the, the changing the culture of the NHL and uh, trying to just basically what Ken is saying, and we all know his resume, of course, um, just ban all hits to the head automatically. Just there is nothing allowed. There's no... There's no um, accidents. There's no you know leaning in and and saying oh this is what the player was doing. It you, you hit you hit in the head. You're banned. Um, thoughts on all that? Well, I've I've read some really really interesting stuff uh, around the idea, mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times you'll hear from from people in the game, um, some that manage, some that make the rules. Um, they'll say, you know, but there's a lot of gray area. It can't be black and white. Mm-hmm. Yet, if you shoot the puck over the glass, it's black and white. If you shoot it over the glass, it's a penalty. Like, that's black and white. So there are black and white rules in the game. Yep. And that's one example of it. I do a lot of international hockey. Uh, a hit that the official deems is not deliberate, but it's a hit to the head. The player gets a two-minute minor and a 10-minute misconduct. If they view it as deliberate, he gets a five-minute major and a game misconduct. And the, the amount of hits to the head mm-hmm. um, are greatly minimized in Europe, in the international game. I don't see any way that the league can keep pushing this off and say, well, but that's not the way the game is played. They, like, there's a new day here. The game is being viewed differently by people that play it, certainly by parents of kids that are playing it as youngsters. And the safer the NHL game is for the players, that will leak downhill through the American League and junior and college mm-hmm. and midget and bantam. It goes all the way down. But the league... Whether they think so or not, they have to take a lead on this. It could absolutely be, be done. Oh, it. it would. It could absolutely be done. At one time, visors was a debate. Fighting is is right. lower than it's ever been, and people. And I'm sure if you go back 15 years, Ray, when you were playing, or or whatever, people would be like, "Oh, you can't tell somebody to put a visor on. You can't play the game with a visor. You can't see through." It, everybody wears a visor now, or 95 yes. percent of the people. You know. Yes, it was. Um, it was. It was a debated issue for yep. a long period of Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Now you don't have a choice. Nope. It's mandated in. And I I think it can be done and people will not really notice the difference too much. Sure, yeah. I agree, right? I mean still you can still hit. There's nothing against hitting, there's nothing against body checking. Oh I you know, so I mean there's yeah. less hitting than there used to be. Mm-hmm. The other part of Dryden's um, idea is that, you know, the finish the check, like two seconds after they lose the puck Mm -hmm. or pass the puck, that would be a penalty as well. And really that makes sense to me. I mean, if the guy's got the puck, you can hit him. If he passes it, 
and then he's got to stand there and accept the hit. When we played, if somebody came late to hit you, you cross-checked him. Like you got your stick up <laughs> yeah. and you protected yourself. Yeah. Now the players can't do that, and it puts them in a real vulnerable spot. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back to the 80s, probably even into the 90s, you'll see very little of that finishing your check stuff. If the puck was gone, the guy turned away right. and got back in the play. And now it's in, uh, yeah, true. When you think about it, you know what? You know what? You're right. The kind of the uh, yeah, the guy jumping up and finishing his check and slamming some dude into the boards. You, you don't really well, see that before, back in the day. Yeah, you you couldn't do it yeah. because if you did, yeah. if you came to hit me two seconds or a second and a half after I moved the puck, I there was an old saying. Well, we'll see if you can come through my Sherwood. Right. Right. Because that was the only way you were going to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And now you can't do that. And and let's not dance around it either. There's lawsuit stuff going on with the NHL. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like that, if you're the league, you have to protect yourself and be like, look what we're doing. Look what we've done. Look what will happen 20 years from now when we aren't, you know, in a in a litigation with, with our ex-players. So. I, I, I think it all matters. And I, yep. I I'm hoping that Dryden's book, at the very least, will spur some serious conversation. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it's I don't know when it's coming out, but soon, hopefully. Um, the game, by the way, is a phenomenal book. Just an amazing book. One of the best. He did an amazing job with that. Uh, next topic, uh, something you were tweeting about. Uh, you never quite know when you're what you're going to tweet about, Ray. And uh, I found this funny. NHL.com. You are not happy with NHL.com, and I don't blame you. I, I don't. I barely go there. Well, I'd go there if I could figure it out. <laughs> right. Now, now I must say, as a disclaimer, okay, I am not very good navigating websites. Like, you know, it's got to be right in front of me. Yeah. But when I go to get the stats for the Washington Capitals, and I go to stats, and then I go to players, and then I filter it to just the Capitals, and I press go, and then the league stats come up. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a functioning website. I'm yep. just looking for the capital stats. Yep. I don't care what three guys in Columbus have. Mm-hmm. I mean, not for this particular yeah. function. Yes, yes. And so I'm not really sure why it's so convoluted at times. Like, if you're looking for an event summary, an event summary has got... Name, goals, assists, points, penalty minutes, time on ice, um, hits, shots, missed shots, block shots, giveaways. It's got everything on it. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that sheet, the event summary, is, it's, it's up during the game mm-hmm. and post-game. It becomes the final stat sheet. You know where you find that in NHL.com? Click on the game, mm-hmm. scroll to the bottom, and click under preview. <laughs> preview. In my world, previews before. <laughs> yes, I agree. So, anyways, that that's just the way they've shaped it, and it's a battle for me to, to navigate the thing. And from a lot of the responses I got, apparently I'm not the only one. No, you're not. I've 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 gone on there recently because they put every. Uh, game summary on there. 
um, throughout the history. So I want to go on there. I was looking for some, some stuff for you. I was looking at games that I went to, you know, back in the day that I was trying to figure out or whatever. And it was so complicated. Props to them for doing that, for digitizing all their summaries and putting them on there. And But it's so tough. It's like so drop downs and I'm with you. I don't know. Make it easy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know. It it should be it should be more efficient. It should be more easily accessible for just about anybody that's going on to it. Yeah, that that's what I think. Yeah. And it wasn't so. I had gotten tired of looking for the capital stats, so I <laughs> yes. tweeted that out. Did you hear anybody from the league or anybody? Did you hear anything? No, no, not yet. All right. Uh, something else we were talking about this week on Twitter. Uh, your all-time rankings are out, Ray, for franchise. The Hockey News put out all-time rankings of players for franchises. You're number 15 yep. all-time in the Jets Thrashers. What'd you, what do you think? Well, I'm, I'm assuming most of those guys are in Winnipeg right now. I, like, I haven't seen the list. Okay. I'm assuming Kovalchuk and Heatley are up there. Yeah, Kovalchuk is number one. Yeah, you know, so I... Yep. and Healy's 10. 15, not bad. Two yep. and a half years there. I, yep. I can live with that. Got a little issue with Kari Lettinen being number 12, though, ahead of you. Yeah, well... I mean, hurt a lot. Number one goalie, know. I mean, yeah. I guess, for more than a few years. Number 48, all-time New York Islander. See, there's... You got to go back through four cup teams there. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm... I'm okay being in the, you know, in the top fifty there. You know who's forty-seven? Stump- no idea. Stumpy. See, that's okay. Yeah, okay. Can, You're all right with that. I can I can live with that because he also he beat me up one time. Right. So. Yeah, he said that. Right. So, um, so he should be there. Uh, your highest uh, your highest ranking, um, Hartford Whalers, and Hurricanes, of course. Jeff O'Neill's got you beat. Which, uh, which you made a funny joke about on, uh, on Twitter. I'm but. sure his parents voted on this thing. Right, right, right. Uh, you were uh, 14 all-time Hartford Whalers slash uh, um, Carolina Hurricane. Eric Cole right ahead of you. Sammy Kapanen behind you. You're ahead of Arthur's Urbe. Ray Whitney. Sylvain Turgeon, is, you're higher than him. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of good players that there went was. through Hartford. I'm, yep. I'm good with this. I'm, yep. It's nice to be remembered. Out of right? all, like sometimes yeah. I think time goes on and you forget whether guys were good or just okay or right. you know it it, it kind of just all meshes together. So yeah, I'm I'm good with this. When you go with whalers, now I don't I don't know if you count Glenn Wesley as a whaler or a hurricane because he's kind of he bridged both both guys. He bridged both, yeah. But uh, Ron Francis is ahead of you. Kevin Deneen is ahead of you. I'm fine with that. That's fine. Both of those are fine. Perfectly uh, fine. Wesley and Verbeek are ahead of you. Yep. Liute, Samuelson, and then uh, Blaine Stoughton, Jeff Sanderson, and you, as far as Whalers. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have a problem with much of that. No, yeah. you know, I mean, Blaine Stoughton scored fifty goals. He did, yeah. yeah. Jeff Sanderson, I believe, had a couple of forty goal years there. I'd rather have you be upset about it and start going off. No, I, for, I can't. Show, yeah, but... like, yeah. <laughs> if I were, if I were behind. Uh, you know, some really questionable guys. Maybe sure. I would be. Right, right. But I'm like, man, those are all good players. Right. Okay. All right. Well, better for the show if you started ranting and raving about how Pat Verbeek couldn't hold your jock or whatever, but you're not. It's no, like, that, yeah, that right. you know, no, right. I couldn't do that. Although, then again, knowing you a little bit, it's nothing you're ever going to get that excited about. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm, as I said, I'm good right. being remembered, man. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, uh, all right, let's take some Twitter questions at Paul Pocky. Uh, you can send these through anytime, and uh, we're happy to, uh, to read them off. Also, uh, paulpocky.com has a contact form. You can email uh, on there as well. We got one of those. Um, so, all right, Ray, uh, who is the most, from Andrew, uh, who is the most annoying player you faced? Did Dale Hunter drive you nuts? Um, actually, Paul Gillis, who was a centerman in Quebec as well, he was he was the guy I matched up with most, mm-hmm. and I found him really a pain. Like, Dale Hunter had 1,000 points to go with his 3,000 penalty minutes. Gillis wasn't anywhere near as talented, but, man, he was hard to play against. And those were the days where you had to wrestle your way around the ice a lot. Right, right. So he would be he would be one of those guys um, for sure uh, that I I just didn't I didn't prefer to play against. Um, all right, from Robert here said, uh, how did Ray parent his boys when they started to excel in sports? How much pressure did or does he put on them? Um, I like to think very little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly I'm involved in discussing. You know, with Landon, you know, as he was growing up, because he's, yeah. as I told him once or many times, I'm sure he'd say, if you were a piano player, I wouldn't tell you anything. <laughs> However, you're a hockey player. It's the one thing I know anything about, and we play the same position. And so I had to learn a little bit. Um, I'd guess he was probably 10, 11, 12, that he didn't want to talk about the game on my time. He wanted to talk about the game on his time. And so that was a really, uh, a really good uh, thing to understand. As far as being hard on him, never. Never. I yep. mean, play a bad game, he played a bad game. He didn't, he didn't go to the rink and try and play crappy. Mm-hmm. You know, he went and it didn't go very well that day. Now, if he was a couple times his effort was kind of below acceptable and as it started to frustrate me, I would tell him. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to rant and rave at him. That, that does no good for anybody. Now, with my younger guys, who are 10 and 7, it's even easier. Um, they're, <clears throat> they're soccer players. And um, the older boy, uh, Riley, um, he's, it's just a joy to watch him play. Mm-hmm. Reese is smaller, and so it's, it's really fun to watch him play. I'm not going to discuss or get on Riley about anything. It doesn't work. I don't understand why parents think getting on your kids will help them be better. Just think about it this way. If your boss came and yelled at you to do a better job, would that spur you on? Because that's what you're doing with your kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Also, too, if I'm, if I'm the parent of a, of a minor hockey league player and Ray Ferraro is uh, standing you know, five people down from me watching his son play, and, and, and you don't freak out, throw things, bang the glass, yell, and scream, I would think to myself, well, this guy came from the NHL, and he knows hockey pretty well, and look at him. I don't know. This is what I would think. It doesn't I, work that way. It's really... It's really it's really interesting watching um, the way parents watch their kids play. And, mm-hmm. and what I've come to realize is there is such an emotional connection to sport and your kids that it's tough to separate that that's your son or daughter playing. It's really hard for people to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't have any kids, so I don't know that problem, but it's amazing what I see on the other side of my job, the motocross side. It is insane, the, the parents that I see and, and the things they do and act and everything else. So, Like, they just can't stop. I think if they could take a, you know, climb up a ladder and look at themselves from the top of a ladder, <laughs> they'd go, whoa, I'm, I'm a crazy person. Yeah. There's, uh, there's race teams that don't hire riders because they do not want to deal with the parents. They cost their kid, they, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Uh, a job. Um, all right, from Nick Hart, um, what's the grace period for players to adjust to the strict enforcement of the slashing and the face-off rule? At what point does it boil down to stubbornness? Well, I mean, if, if I'm coaching, I just tell them, keep your stick on the ice. Yeah. There's, if your stick's on the ice, you can't get a slashing penalty. Um, the league is um, consistently talking to the players about it's okay to whack their stick blade. It's not okay to whack their hands. Mm-hmm. And so some of that will be just breaking the habit. Um, the ones that can't break the habit aren't going to play very much because eventually you're in the penalty box too much and you hurt your team. Right. I think the guys will get it. The face-offs are already a non-issue for me most of the time. What's pretty cool to see, though, is that when a player gets kicked out, the next guy goes in, he's got to be really careful. Mm-hmm. And if that's in the defensive zone, that might, let, that, might let, yeah. that might let the offensive team have a little bit of an advantage. They win a draw, maybe they get another scoring chance. You mm-hmm. know me, Steve, I'm, I'm all for more scoring chances. Yeah. Uh, I saw one in each of the games, Sabres and Bruins, face-off violation penalty. And uh, Palmonville, not happy. Like, almost refused to go to the box. He was, well, he was so not happy. See, was he taking the face off, or was he the guy that jumped in from the outside? Yeah, good, good point, right? Because um, see, yeah. this is this is another thing. You know, we all get we're all focused in on the centers, right? Right. But the winger knows. Okay, we've already got one guy kicked out. Man, the guy taking the draw, he doesn't even know how to take a draw. I got to jump <laughs> in and help. Right. And oops, you jump too early, and you're the guy that goes. He just was refusing to go to the penalty box. <laughs> He was standing yeah, well, there. That's, that's like standing there and arguing about your taxes with right. with the tax guy. Yeah, it was. Eventually, uh, you're just going to pay your taxes. It was a. It was a. It was a. Uh, it got awkward. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you better go. So yeah, eventually, you got to go. Uh, from David uh, Staples, did Ray ever play through a concussion or see another teammate do it? I mean, this is absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got knocked out one night in Hartford. A defenseman named Dave Fenvies hit me. And, um, I mean, I was out. And, I, you know, I woke up after, I don't know, couldn't tell you how long. They were asking me, where are we? You know, do you know the game? Do you know who's playing? And I, I got that stuff right, I guess. Um, went to the bench. The period ended shortly thereafter. Um, I played on the power play in the second period. I can't tell you anything else about it. Yeah. But that, so the answer is 100%, yes. Yeah, scary. But... At no point did anybody say, hey, I think you got a brain injury, nor did I think that. We all thought, man, I got my bell rung. Man, I better keep my head up. Mm-hmm. That was the level of understanding we had as players. I played with Brett Lindros in New York. Uh, he was drafted uh, by the Islanders in the first round, and his career was waylaid before it even started uh, with concussion problems. And so, like, I saw him in a fight uh, come back to the bench, and you could just tell he wasn't right. 
and he went straight to the locker room and, and he was out. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was out for a considerable period of time. Interesting question here from Sean Peterson. Uh, guys who are getting hurt during NHL practice, what are NHL practices like? Are there different schools of thought for practicing hard uh, versus safe? And I don't, this is a, a tricky question and, and a good one in the sense of if you're a coach, like, what do you, you know, you, you want to keep these guys healthy, but you want them to have an aggressiveness and, uh, and be on their game. Yeah, they're, but practices are fast. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not physical. Like, you know, nobody's running into each other. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of knocking guys out of the way, if you will. Um, if somebody takes a shot and there's a lot of traffic in front of the net mm-hmm. and um, it hits somebody, guys will be like, you know, guys will be sour. Okay, yeah. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like right. there's five guys standing in front of the net and you're taking a slap shot. It's going to hit one of us. Yeah. And so I think the guys are pretty cognizant of good practice, mm-hmm. hard practice. It's just practice. Um, yet, um, you know, today, which is Wednesday, uh, Anders Bjork in the Bruins practice apparently crashed into Tuka Rask. They had to help Rask off the ice. Bjork oh. got cut. I mean, like, I have. They said they'll have. You know, they'll they'll see tomorrow how how Rask is. But you know, my my guess is it was just you know he was driving to the net and lost an edge. Yep. And man, that's brutal. But it's it's not like it's a a malicious or over physical play. It's just you're going fast. You're working on your yeah. game and you fall. And that would be brutal for Boston if they lose Rask. Let me ask you this. As it you you go to practices now, obviously, has it changed from your day, or were they always a little bit that way, even back in your day? Oh, they're they're faster and harder now. Okay, all right. So I mean, like we, I mean, we practiced hard, yeah, but yeah. I mean, nothing was as fast as it is today. Right. But uh, as far as like back in the day, has has it never been acceptable to take a slap shot with a bunch of guys in front? No, that would be just stupid. Okay, all right. I'm just, I didn't like, know. And I, and I mean that. I don't. I mean, like, yeah. Just think of it. There's like four guys in front of the net. Somebody takes a slap shot. You're like, if you score, yeah, who, who cares? cares? <laughs> right. But you might hit one of us guys, and we don't want that. Nobody wants that. Right. Like, they, oh, I get hit enough. I don't yeah. need to be hit here. Dave, Mr. Semenko here would like to speak to you. Yeah. No, just don't. <laughs> How about that? Uh, this is from Tyler Townsend. If you were Jim Benning and you had three moves to get the team on track, what would they be? <laughs> three moves. Yeah, just three. That's it. Not four. Not two. Um, I Get Alex Edler I healthy? <laughs> Pardon? Get Alex Edler healthy? Well, that would help. But, I mean, I would, I would clear as much veteran salary off the books at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I would sign veterans for one year to bridge me to my younger players, and I would keep trying to acquire draft picks. So that's one. Um, number two, I would narrow and streamline what I'm trying to do. I think the Canucks are trying to do two things. They're trying to stay somewhat relevant and to be somewhat of a good team, and they're trying to rebuild. I find when I try to do two things in life, it doesn't work out very well, mm-hmm. that you need to be singularly focused. Um, Three, Poof. well, three, uh, three is the same as the first two. It's okay. just, yeah, it's just acquire picks, acquire young players, acquire assets. Don't 
there's they've already signed Gagne for three years. They signed Delzato for two. They've got Erickson for four more. No more. Yeah. Of that. Yeah, that's it, right? I mean, Sedin's will be probably re-signed for one more year, maybe, right? Um, yeah, but, want to. but maybe. But, I mean, the yeah. number's got to be right. Yeah. You know, like, I I, I like them a lot. They're I, I know them. They're terrific, terrific people. But you you can't, if they can't produce for you to help your team move forward, or if they're a, a roadblock for a younger player, then you just can't. All right. Um Ray's random NHLer time, everybody, on the Pulp Hockey Podcast with uh, TSN's Ray Ferraro. I'm going to pick a random NHLer, and uh, t- you're going to tell me uh, playing against him, uh, playing with him, playing for him, whatever it was. And uh, so this week, um, Peter Stastny, right? Peter Oh, Stastny. my gosh, what a player. So Peter came over with his brothers. They defected from the Czech Republic, which was Czechoslovakia at the time, landed in Quebec. So we played them eight times a year. Right. And... He was probably the second-best centerman at that time in the NHL before Lemieux got going, and then Lemieux was the second-best behind Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Like, Peter was an amazing player, so strong. So when we played against him, if I ever got stuck out there against him, which was not a good thing for our team, <laughs> I used to just try and grab his stick and skate around the defensive zone as much as I could with him. He because was... there were no penalties then, yeah. they tell you to forget. Right. Or they tell you to let go, but... He could pass. He was strong. He could shoot. Just an amazing player. He was I, big, right? Like, he was a big oh, dude. 215 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was a star, a star, superstar player. Can you imagine him coming over from Checo and playing in Europe all those years, and he comes to the NHL in the early 80s? He's probably like, what is this game? What is this? Ray Ferraro yeah. won't let go of my stick. And th- and then all he did was put up 110 points every year, so yeah. he figured it out. Yeah, yeah, he was all right. Um, Terrific player. Uh, all right, there we go. Peter Stastny on Ray's Random NHLer. Uh, all right, Ray, um, you are doing, you're in Ottawa? Uh, this In Ottawa, doing uh, Ottawa and Jersey tomorrow, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and then uh, home for the weekend. Nice, fantastic. Uh, all right, everybody, thank you for listening to another edition of the Paul Pocky Podcast with the Ray Ferraro. Please uh, subscribe on iTunes, get it on Stitcher, get it on paulpocky.com, all the places. Uh, really enjoy it. We're going to start working in some guests. Uh, week to week, Ray. So hopefully, uh, yep. you know. Hopefully, we'll get one on next week. We'll have to see if we can get it organized. It'll be fantastic. All right. Uh, thanks, buddy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Steve. We'll talk to you guys next week.